This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Word button. All right, let's get going. Um, everybody, thank you for joining the space. Uh, if you want to talk at any time, please request. Um, auto uh, request for Joe there um, as a um, go-to uh, space. What up, Joe? Hello there. Hey. Um, yeah, anytime anybody wants to speak, please let us know. We're trying to be more interactive and make this fun. No problem. I'll, uh, I'll let you guys steer it to start, and I'll hop in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll guess. I'll ask I'll ask you questions for sure. Um, all right, Ben, what's up? How's it going? How's everything? How's life? How's, how's COVID? Oh, Pat, I'm I'm doing just fantastic. Yeah. I've been in my apartment this entire week, and so I'm just I've just been hankering for something good to think about, and that good thing has come yeah. in the form of the now. Pat, I, I don't know if you were able to see the tweets about this. I wanted to potentially make it a game oh. of guess where Marquette is oh, yeah. in the Ken Palm. Yeah, okay, I did see it. Um, uh, the top uh, 50 Ken Palm Marquette Golden Eagles. Oh, Christ. Uh, is it <laughs> like, like how top 50? Like 50 exactly or? 49. 49? Oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> No. From 85 to 49 no. over in the course two of two games. Just there's smashing. We will never die. Oh, my God. God, it's so annoying because I was just about to just be like, hey, like, the team is fine and fun and good, but we don't have to, like, think about the tournament because their analytic numbers are way off and they're just nowhere near where they need to be to qualify for the tournament. And they beat the brakes off of, like, half of a good team and like a terrible, terrible team. And all of a sudden their freaking numbers are right where they need to be again. It's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Now I have to think mm-hmm. about them as a tournament team again. And I have to maybe think about uh, getting, and we have to Paul, we have to Paul coming up too. So like, I'd Don't imagine the hype is only going to continue from here until we get to Seton Hall next Saturday. I don't know. DePaul's better than, Paul's better than Georgetown. DePaul's obviously not better than Providence, but I don't know what the heck Providence was. So that was yeah, we that was that was just a very weird game. I don't know if there was something up with them. I know, and actually, uh, I think Providence is at fifty-one now. So technically, Marquette is a better team than Providence now, even though they had that sixteen next to their name. But boy, um, it's there. There is, I think, a legitimate turnaround starting to happen and like did you know that marquette shot 75 percent from two today i did because i saw um a tweet about it um from a Georgia Mm. guy that i follow which made me very happy because it seemed very um i was looking at the box score and we were at 75 percent and georgetown was at like 33 percent so just completely dominated the paint I, I don't want to say this is like a foregone conclusion and a given at this point, but who could have possibly thought that this team would get better if they shot less threes and went to the rim more? Like, who I, could, 
who could possibly have have thought of that like oh my who goodness. among us was clamoring for that certainly not you no definitely not me at all um, <laughs> what a what a what a revelation actually doing what your team is good at is i think that's a good place to start omax prosper with 22 points tonight um and he is probably although i will say he has been making threes as well lately um mm-hmm. but if you have to pinpoint, you know, one person who sort of epitomizes um, the go to the rim instead of settling for bad shots uh, uh, mentality, Omax sort of his like downhill flow play over the last uh, few games where he just sort of lumbers into the paint against his defender uh, and sort of forces in a contested layup has been, Probably the biggest, oh, not the biggest development. The biggest development is the freaking transition is finally working. But mm-hmm. um, the biggest sort of, um, I guess it's a metaphor for how they've been how they've been playing better on offense. But yeah, obviously the transition, the 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 first half stretch with all the fast breaks and the lobs and and everything, um, un unbelievable. Uh, that that stuff's finally working. I mean, if you want to talk about what wasn't working um, early in the season, it was that they would get going on those fast breaks, but they just weren't, they, they were almost bad for them because they weren't converting them. And right. Now, I mean, you couldn't, the, the difference today was absolutely stark. It was, it was completely, in sync and high flying and they were just forcing it in on fast breaks, which is like a thousand percent what, how this team needs to thrive. Like it's, it's such a perfect blueprint for them. And I mean, just to see it in full effect with sort of a bit of a lob city uh, twist to it um, was exactly what the doctor ordered for them. It was extremely, extremely encouraging to see that. Right. And that's kind of the thing about, you know, needing to play in transition like that. It kind of requires that innate feel of knowing where that guy is going to be. Cause you can't have a set play for transition. It's you're trying to control your own chaos. And so at the beginning of the year, Marquette was terrible in transition because at least from what I'm seeing now, it's that, lack of knowing where that guy is going to be based on having played with them for X amount of time. But having all that be in sync and what I'm hoping is a more consistent resurgence of Omax in that, you know, I I was probably one of his harsher critics at the beginning of the year because he had like the physical tools there, but just the second he would get the ball, it was a lack of awareness of what was going around him and no confidence to make any sort of decision. And so a lot of times, even if there was a flow to the offense, the possession would just kind of stop in his hands because he wouldn't really know what to do and would get almost paralyzed with it. And even when he would drive to the basket, there were a lot of moments where he would do kind of like two hesitations to, almost let the defender get position on him or do some weird little shot fake when he's right around the rim. But today and against Providence, there was a lot less of that. And 
there was a lot more, okay, I am driving to the rim and I am going to get a layup. Like on that sequence where Kolek had a pretty bad turnover and then had the defensive presence to get it right back on Georgetown's transition opportunity. He passed it to Omax and Omax was dribbling till about half court line. And then he just saw someone in the paint on the other end, just being a little bit lazy. And he just thought, okay, I'm going now. Yeah. And got an and one out of it. And so it's that sort of element. Plus what I'm hoping is a little bit more of a refined three point shot from him. And also Shaka is putting him at the head of the press, which oh, I don't know weird. what, I don't that's know what game that started, but it is, it is working so well. Like it is the perfect defensive setup in my mind. And it truly allows them to do whatever they want on defense, because when he is playing with that intensity, he can switch on anyone. So he, he was on Dante Harris for some of those half court opportunities. And it doesn't matter because he has that switchability and like Queth and Igadaro are just really coming into their own a lot more on defense. So mm-hmm. it's been a fantastic development if we want to take it from the OMAX point of view specifically. Yeah. He's made five of his last eight reads over the last four games, which is a huge mm-hmm. um, step forward from him because even showing that three – um, let alone like making it. Obviously, I don't think he's going to get to a point where he's making it a volume this year, but showing it is uh, a huge benefit to his downhill driving game, which was is obviously mm-hmm. his bread and butter as well as sort of fast break dunks and uh, getting tips in transition. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Tyler Kolick, can you? I'm a broke boy right now and not paying for Ken Palm at the moment. Um, and only, nice. only using T rank. Um, can you? <laughs> uh, can you pull up Tyler Cole? Do they have the Ken Palm box score done yet? Do you know? Uh, I think they do. I was just actually looking at his uh, Ken Palm page. He I, was. I'd want to see his O rating over the last like four or five games. He's just been uh, he's just been unbelievable. The offense. Oh, like, today, yeah. It's so funny yeah, today, because, and uh, oh, sorry. It's so funny because the uh, offense just goes in the tank whenever he's off the court, and it's just so visible and obvious that <laughs> I just right. it, it you can't help but laugh like the the momentum that they had built up at the beginning of that game and or at the middle section of the first half and just completely hits the rails when Colet goes out and obviously the refs decide that Marquette's up by 20 so we're going to call every foul against Marquette at 1.2 which is, which is <laughs> another another element altogether but yeah it's uh it's good it's good to have Colic on the court I think is a good overall takeaway. The guy has just got the offense completely humming and mm-hmm. uh, no shade to Daryl Morsell, who's, you know, a, a really important player for this team, but just getting the ball into Kolek's hands decisively over the last like five games, instead of relying on Morsell to, you know, run the offense a whole lot of the time has just been a massive difference maker for them. And, you know, Marcel is more suited to being sort of a, a grinder defensive um, guard that, you know, can score at volume and can get his own shot, which is huge for them uh, every once in a while, but sort of running him yep. through the offense on a regular basis, isn't the most sustainable uh, um, prospect. And Kolik has just been 
oh, he's just been so solid. Um, 11 right. on Kirk Weth tonight, too. That's mm-hmm. that's really good. And um, to answer your question, uh, he had a 71-0 rating against Creighton, but uh, today and on, what was it, Tuesday against Providence, uh, 140 and 154 rating. Jeez, jeez. And what's weird, I was actually kind of thinking about this today. I was looking at his page before this game. I think his offensive rating now is at like 89-something, which is really not good. But even before the game, it was 85. And well, you gotta... I, was, I, was, yeah, I was thinking like at the same time, like that number in and of itself is really bad. And Right, wow. But there's, there's such a stark difference between – like if you were to ask, nine out of 10 Marquette fans, they'd say, oh yeah, Kolek's been a tremendous addition to the offense. I love what he's doing. And so everyone's eye test seems to universally disagree with what this number says. And I don't know if I've seen that sort of difference before. And then maybe like, though, is how bad he was for like a five game stretch, like mm -hmm. in the, from like Illinois through uh, Northern Illinois, he, I think, made a single three-pointer. No, he was 0 for 6 in that stretch from 3 and just was, like, a complete disaster. Like, I think he probably scored. He scored 8 points against West Virginia. So, he in, in that 6-game stretch or 5-game stretch, he scored um, 14 points. So, like, him just, like, going away on offense for a while – was mm-hmm. is a huge reason why that um, number is so low. But, I mean, it's just become very clear that he's sort of found his role. There's a, just a lot of players who were sort of scuffling to start the season, I would say, um, just kind of trying to figure stuff out, and it's coming mm-hmm. together. I mean, Kolik, Kolik and Omax, I think, and I'm glad we led with this before we open it up. Please, if you want to get in and – get some takes off um, request and we will put you on. But um, I think it's good that we started with Omax and um, uh, Kolek tonight because of, of the last week, those two putting stuff together and Kolek's has been sort of coming along for a little longer, but those two putting it together have really made a massive, massive difference um, of the last um, couple of games. Yeah, and that's not even talking about, you know, the current sniper that we know know as Cam Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gas, you look at the freaking um the two games, the um Morcel not being there against Yukon and Cam not being there against Creighton. And it really uh has the feel of you know, if those two guys had been there in those close games, would there have been a difference cuz in against um Connecticut they really couldn't they couldn't really guard all that well when it when it mattered and Morcell was is a huge differentiator there um and just you know they were one shot away from beating Creighton and just having Cam Jones's offense there would have been uh, made a massive difference um and yeah because Cam Jones coming out of that has come back firing um mm-hmm. he's just oh he's a special player man the kind of I am so excited for him. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's great. It is it is a delight to watch him play basketball. Uh, Joe, what you got for us? You're here. You're 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 listening. Hey guys, how's it going hey. today? Uh, 
Um, yeah, I th- you guys uh, did a lot of good points about Omax and Colek to start us off tonight. And I thought, and I think it boils down to really shock of putting these guys in better positions to succeed. Um, I, I think we're seeing adjustments with this coaching staff that are really refreshing. Um, you know, I made a joke earlier that you know some of us probably have some Omax tweets we need to delete from earlier in the year, but I I think it's partly because uh, you know Omax is settling more into a role that helps this team win and for him to be successful. I think Ben made a good point about uh, the way he's used in the press now and the way he's maybe more of a weapon defensively than he was earlier in the year. And he's more efficient with his three-point shooting. And with Kolek, um, I think, you know, I don't know for sure, but it seems that the team has maybe had a come-to-Jesus meeting at some point this year saying, look, guys, we are not a great three-point shooting team. We need to create offense in different ways. We're not going to stop shooting threes, but it can't be the number one focal point of our offense. Uh, we're, and I think Kolek driving and dishing and uh, getting paint touches and creating for the big guys or kicking out to guys for more wide-open threes so the three-pointers that Marquette does take are more uncontested than contested. And I think that's led to Kolek being in a better position to succeed and impact this offense. Kolek was especially great tonight. I mean, it seems like he got into the lane almost any time he wanted. And I, and I think it's it does go to, yeah, players improving and selling into their roles, but also I think shocking the staff, putting guys in – more ideal positions to be successful. You know, when you've got what, eight, nine new faces in your rotation, or you got a whole new team in general because you got a new coaching staff, it, it probably took a while to maybe every, for everybody to settle into their roles and decide what puts every player in the best position to help this team win. And I think they're starting to figure that out a little bit. Yeah. I also want to say, like, I did say Daryl Morcell needs to run the offense less, and that's why it's kind of been good. Shout out to Daryl Morcell to – to sort of carrying this team to sort of the early momentum that they got um, <laughs> for like the first, like two weeks of the season scoring 20 points in the, in those first four games, um, they would not have been four and zero without him uh, easily. Cause you know, all those guys like Omax and Kolick and uh, at that point in the season, just like nowhere near what they were, what they're doing now. And so, I mean, and, this team would have absolutely no shot at accomplishing anything this year um, if it wasn't uh, for that start where they avoided a couple of potentially terrible losses and then um, beat Illinois, beat Mississippi, beat West Virginia. Like that start has sort of laid the the groundwork for any sort of potential success here. And obviously the um, seven predicted loss gauntlet is uh, still to come after this uh interesting DePaul game um, upcoming, but uh, you know, anything that this team goes on and accomplishes is um, sort of on the basis of that start. So I don't want to yeah, make it seem like he's let's be honest, like, yeah. we beat a bad team tonight. Let's, let's be honest. Yeah. But they, but they destroyed a bad team. They, yeah. You know, there was a stretch there late first half where Georgetown made a run and maybe there was a little bit of anxiety among the fan base, but uh, this was, you know, a butt kicking for the most part for 35 minutes of the game. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that this Shaka team, you know, you know, we all hated the Creighton loss. We don't need to rehash that, but, you know, that was a tough one. But this is, I think this is the first 0-3 start ever in the Big East. But they also followed that up to what I believe is, and uh, somebody follow, uh, looked it up, and I think it's 
after the first time Marquette has won back-to-back Big East games by 25 or more points. Yeah, that probably so, makes sense. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to totally say that off the top of my head, so but that makes sense. Bounce back, so I, I think a lot of credit goes to the uh, the coaching staff to figure some things out. And again, yeah, they beat a bad team tonight, but they left no doubt. So certainly an encouraging effort. Leave no doubt. Um, I wanted to find that clip if I could at one point during the game. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Yeah, the, the other are. part about this is like, yeah, Georgetown was a bad team. Like on Kempon before this game, it was projected as a one point win. So essentially a toss up. And to bring Georgetown to the point where Patrick Ewing has said in his presser afterwards that Big John is rolling over in his grave. Did he actually say that? Like, yes, he did. So. I mean, first of all, get over yourself, George Tech. (laughs) For the the love of God, you are not the most important thing in the world, and you've been an absolute disaster for five years. So I don't think this one loss is why. Maybe the the four guys getting, you know, leaving the program in the middle of uh, the season is probably (laughs) more of a concern than James Akinjo is thriving at Baylor right now yeah like oh my god Mac Mac McClung was an awesome college basketball player away from Georgetown like maybe maybe take care of your house I will say um Tori Vick says Donald Carey's uh, Georgetown's best player so that's probably Mm. so a pretty big um reason why they were not nearly up to up to the task tonight um I'll also say that um uh, Aminu Muhammad is going to drive me insane because he already has the um, uh, the look and demeanor of a player that is going to just absolutely frustrate the heck out of Marquette um, over the next four years if he stays. Although, who knows? Like, you know, Georgetown players transfer all the time now. So, um, maybe- yeah, there are, there are a few times I saw a look on his face of what the hell am I doing here sort of thing. And yeah, so. Well- I mean, I don't blame them. They suck. That program's in hell. <laughs> yeah. That program, so. is, that program is, I mean, and, and to be clear, this makes me incredibly happy. Like, I'm oh, not, yeah. I market, uh, the Big East has absolutely needed Villanova over the last seven, however many years. Is it eight now? I think no. Uh, nine now. This is year It nine. started my freshman year, so it was the oh, beginning of 20. Yeah. It started to the 2014 season. Buzz's last year was the, was the, um, yep. So this is, yeah, the eighth year of the new Big East. Yeah. It'd be the ninth year of the new Big East because Buzz oh, yeah. so, plus seven, Steve. And then, so this is year nine. And Big East has yes. absolutely needed Georgetown to carry, or not Georgetown, I'm sorry, Villanova to carry them um, to national relevance for like seven of those nine years. And I'm internally grateful. <laughs> to the prestige that Villanova brings to the conference. I absolutely 100% do not need Georgetown to be good. And in fact, relish in their terribleness. Yeah. Um, I find it absolutely hilarious. And they are the most sort of entitled, like this isn't how Georgetown basketball is supposed to be. And it's just like, well, your program is a disaster. So I don't know, like, uh, you, you, yeah. Go protest you, another bus stop going through your campus. Yeah. <laughs> do I God do other things. They're also like a fake do at school too. Like they don't like, they're not really. Yes, absolutely. Either. They kind of try to think that they're the Ivy league school of DC. So again, it just, it really, it really warms my cold heart um, to see, to see Georgetown in the absolute gutter 
um, <laughs> and I and again, like I don't, yeah, I don't need them to be good. It's very entertaining to just mm-hmm. go down there, absolutely whip their ass for third by thirty points for for two hours, and then just like not even have to think about it. That's that's such a delightful experience. Yes, there's a, there's a big difference between how I get frustrated playing Georgetown close versus how I get frustrated playing like Creighton close. Cause I, I enjoy when Creighton is good and I enjoy hating them in this sort of sense. I just hate Georgetown. Just. Yeah. I, I've, I, I need absolutely nothing from Georgetown. They do absolutely nothing for me and nothing that they've done since like I've been aware of college basketball has done anything for me. Even like the, the good teams um, with like Jeff Green and um, who was the best thing they did. The best, the best thing they did for me, yeah, Roy Hibbert in 2008 when they were a two seed in the same region as my beloved Jayhawks, and they got just curb stopped by Steph Curry and allowed yeah, Davidson again, to get to the Elite Eight. That's probably the most Kansas. in Georgetown NCAA tournament moment of over the last 15 years, and yeah. also Dunk City. Oh yeah, well that too. Yeah, they're lost in Ohio. Let's just keep keep it going. Keep, keep rolling with the embarrassing Georgetown shit. I like it. <laughs> Run it back. Uh, d- uh yes, I want to say. I think you're right. Yeah, because it seems like forty years ago, but yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, because yeah. it was not the Scotty Reynolds year is was Pitt, not Georgetown, right? when Scotty Reynolds made the final four um, Georgetown, I think it was Pitt that they, that they denied the final four too. My, my, oh yeah. I, I my, think my son, yeah, Levan, yeah. my son, LeVance Fields, um, my, my absolute golden God, LeVance Fields. Best corners in the game. Just, just like a, like a, a sentient potato playing basketball. <laughs> just, just a larger potato. Juan Blair just stronger. Have, he just didn't have knees. That was his big issue. <laughs> Um, Georgetown made the final four in 2007. Yes, that's correct. Oh, shit, I forgot yeah, that's that actually the most relevant Georgetown in the tournament over the yeah, last 15. Take it, take it. Oh, that's exactly 15 years ago. So eat it, Joe. I was right. Okay. <laughs> it's 2022, okay. baby. I got, I have plausible deniability on that one. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, Albert was yelling at me about the technical foul during the game. You can... Try, try him in. Do, 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 do you want to keep yelling at me about the technical technical foul? I said, I said boo-hoo. I said, it, I said it's not a big deal. Get the guys fired up. Like, I was not upset about that. I am staunchly not a take a technical to get the guys fired up. I am a fire get the guys fired up without allowing another two points to be tacked onto a run guy. And I don't think that – Shaka was intending to get a technical foul. I don't think, I think he was, I think he was well. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like, see what actually happened. I didn't that. either. Yeah, that's true. They didn't yeah. really show it. You know, he went after a ref in the uh, Providence game when they cut it to four. Um, the ref was like weirdly in the huddle. Um, just kind of Shaka caught him there. And he was point. Shaka was pointing at his chest and you could tell he was doing that. I got to look out for my guys. I got to look out for my guys. And that was after Omax kind of got pushed through the lane, didn't get the foul, Providence cut it to four. I'm only bringing that up to say what we know about this team 
and why I love Shaka doing what he did in that sense. Um, because what we know is they will continue to bring it every single night. Um, and we haven't seen that in honestly seven years. Uh, and Mm. I think, I think Joe mentioned, um, we had stacked wins after a big win, uh, you know, in, in the Wojo era. And this was huge to see them bounce back after giving up that run at the end of the first half and just blow them out, you know, blow the, blow the doors off there in the second half. So uh, just thrilled to watch a team that, that has that fight again. Um, and even in those losses, again, Big East play, you know, they, they scrapped and they clawed. So, you know, that's Marquette basketball. I'm so thrilled to see it now uh, again. And the other two points, one, Tyler Cole has been making those dimes all year. Two, Omax, this was the most composed he's been all season. His drive, 100%. control, before, you know, he would go to the hole with a head of steam and put up a shot when he's three feet past the hoop. This was the most composed he's been. So, um, also encouraging to see a team grow as the year goes on, opposed to what we've been getting used to. So, uh, just thrilled, man. Just thrilled. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would say, like, it's not – I mean, God, they – like. I don't know what Providence's deal is. I, I mean, that was, that was sick. They won by 30 against Providence. Like that's freaking awesome. But you know, tonight, obviously like they should beat that team by 20 and they beat them by what? 28. Um, but yeah, just like having an identity as a team, especially now that the fast breaks are working and the causing turnovers isn't actively hurting them anymore. Like it actually kind of was for a couple of games when they just were throwing away the fast breaks like having an actual identity and a function as a team is like worth the price of admission for Shaka like I'm not sure Shaka is going to be a coach that is going to sort of stare down like really difficult adverse situations against big good teams and you know come out on top like obviously the you know say what you will about the foul up three thing that uh really really was a glaring um, I guess it was a mess. Like I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely. So my, th- my thing, yeah, my thing has always that. been like I think fans incredibly overrate the effect that these situational decisions have on a team because clearly, Wojo respond or goddamn Shocker responded <laughs> and. <laughs> And took that and turned it into a couple just absolute drubbings. And that sort of motivational headspace that he can put those players in is so much more important than the one or two times a year where you got to figure out the timing of a close game. Because even though he, in my opinion, called that poorly, there's still at least a 60% chance that AOC misses that shot. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot more variability versus from what the decision ends up being to what the effect is. Whereas for something like we've seen the last two games, like if you coach right in those games, then the effect is a lot more likely to match the intent. 
if that makes any sense. Yeah, so you're you're processing that really well. The one thing I'll say too is it's I I don't think you can tell a team at this stage. And and this is this is where I'm kind of trying to get in Shaka's head and being like, okay, what do you tell the team with three point what was it three point two seconds left? Um, yeah to to do uh when the ball gets inbounded. And if you're not like a hundred percent sure, given that timing, that you're gonna have a clear opportunity to foul, I don't mm-hmm. think you're telling your players to like make a split second judgment call. Now, obviously the way it played out, he's wide open and very easy to foul. Like mm-hmm. Oso abs- it was Oso, right? Yeah. Oso yeah, absolutely can grab him right there and foul. Um mm-hmm. but I just think like, you know, usually the ideal time to do that is sort of in like a set five to seven second window. And I mm-hmm. just don't know if you can tell a team that's never really been in that situation. Like, okay, if he's got a little bit of space and he has to like turn to get the shot off, grab him. But if he's like in a place to like catch and shoot, you gotta like make sure that you're not committing a shooting foul. And it's just like, God, all in thirty just, seconds. Yeah, and obviously it sucked how it played out, and um, it was a brutal game to lose. Shaka called it a heartbreaker in his post game interview on the broadcast tonight. Like, mm-hmm. really, really, definitely could feel the the sense of that they were kind of beaten down after um, that stretch of games, um, but just really encouraging um see them bounce back and uh, shout out west matthews yeah shout out absolutely electric that he is just like hanging out and wants to go grind tape with the boys just like (laughs) just absolutely love that out of him just incredible incredible stuff from the absolute legend who by the way got his contract guaranteed today so for oh, season. So congratulations we to West. And also on that note, Bucks are absolutely laying the wood on the Nets right now. So. I was gonna bring that up at some point towards the end of this, but yes. yeah. What a what a great day yeah, for Milwaukee basketball. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a just a really important win for the Bucks, too. Cause this is like essentially full strength Brooklyn. Uh Maybe not. They're missing a couple. No, no, none of their really good depth pieces are missing. Paul Millsap, I guess. But and I don't 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 talk to me about Kyrie. Um, but I was, uh, was going to say no. I don't like. I don't consider him a a relevant human being to be considered in any sort of. Um, and even still, without him, they're second in the East. So, like, yeah, and yeah, I, good good for the Bucks. Good for Wes. Wes is an absolute legend for like showing up and like trying to make sure the the boys were on were on the same page and sort of uh chat uh you know feeling good about themselves coming out of that loss because obviously you know i don't know man i don't know what to think about the providence game i keep saying like obviously these weren't like the two toughest like games but like providence mm-hmm. got ranked and had won eight in a row and only had one loss and so it's like I don't know, like, is that a really good win? Like, obviously it came off really well, but the way that they just were so freaking terrible in that game and the way that I don't know how they were 13-1 and one to begin with because 
I I'm I'm like highly skeptical of their I don't know if it's their depth that I'm highly skeptical of, but I just like, do they have like a real, like Nate Watson is great, but we absolutely swam him under in that game. And he was fighting for his life. Yeah. There I mean, he, for was, a bit. he was in an, in the absolute torture chamber in that game. And it was great to see because he's always an absolute killer. Whenever Marquette plays <laughs> for six times, like I feel like even when he was a freshman and like, not even that, regarded not even starting he killed them and they just like like honestly i don't know if like wojo could have just fronted him like any <laughs> of those games and it wouldn't have been as effect because like it basically seemed like shaka just fronted him and that was like yep. the whole fix like laid out in front of there so i don't know what to think about that game i don't think providence is really that good i don't think they're a ranked team um even though they are technically a ranked team but like I, I can't like bank this week and be like Marquette's back. We're like on the path. Let's go. But right, this is clearly a hot streak. Like, yeah, like hot I mean, streaks are not meant to last the entire season. And we're gonna find out really quickly how sustainable that is after this DePaul game when we well, go through the seven layers of hell. Yeah, I I need them to beat somebody like meaningful too. As much as again, Providence is a ranked team. Like, I really want to see them play like I think they could have beat Xavier at Xavier obviously that's going to be a really difficult game under any circumstances it it might be the most difficult game on the entire schedule for Marquette this year Um, although (laughs) Josh Hart uh, jersey retirement night is going to be an absolute nightmare (laughs) like as if we needed any other like thing to make at Villanova, the game that Mark, the only game that Market hasn't won in the new Big East era, any more difficult. We get Josh Hart jersey retirement night. Josh Hart, absolute haunter of Mar- everything Marquette, getting his freaking jersey retired. Oh my god, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a disaster. That's, that's uh, gonna be a nightmare. Just but... All time bad vibes going into that game. Like, oh my <laughs> god, just, just. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to, yeah, I'm still trying to keep the mindset just as long as every Big East team can come out of their two games against Marquette and think, God damn, that was annoying. They're going to be annoying for a while. That's all that I want. And like Greg McDermott and Dan Hurley were saying those exact words after those two tough games. So like, Again, it is, it's still very hard to beat a team by 30, much less carry that momentum into the next game, even though you're playing a much worse team and do the exact same thing. So if these were like a couple like 12 to 15 point margins, I'd be probably feeling a little bit yeah. different about it and a little I'm not like complete. I mean, yes, I'm in the clouds because like this is awesome and fun. But to me, the sheer full on dominance to me is a little bit more meaningful given what we saw in the first few games where Markel was playing very inferior opponents and letting them stay in the game. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the the it's the seven game stretch. Go ahead, Joe. No, I was just gonna say back to 
your uh, your take on on Providence. You know, Providence was probably a little overvalued because I think some of their biggie spreads were against teams that were missing players, and uh, so maybe that fed their hot streak a little bit. But that's still a great win to blow out a team like yeah, that. sure. Um, that's that's going to be in the tournament hunt, and yeah, like you talk about going to Villanova and worry about getting beat. Yeah, that may happen, but when you're looking at from Marquette's perspective, that's not a game you have to win by any stretch of the imagination. You know, if you're talking about making the tournament, which is, you know, maybe a little lofty, but not unrealistic for this team, you know, stomach a loss at Villanova. That's, you know, you can yeah. live with that. You, you don't have to beat, go to Villanova and beat Villanova. You don't have to go to Xavier and beat Xavier necessarily. You would yeah. love to do it because then it makes that math for making the tournament that much easier. But yeah. Um, yeah, if you go to Villanova and get blown out, that's fine. You just regroup and try to get another one. You know, Ken Palm, I think, still has Marquette losing the next seven after DePaul. For sure. But I think they're going to be a lot closer than that. Uh, some of those – they may pick off a team or two there, and then all of a sudden yeah, that I mean, work out that you could get to – I don't know what the magic number is, if it's nine wins, if it's ten, if it's eleven to get to the tournament. But, um, yeah, like it doesn't matter if Marquette loses by one or by 30 at Villanova. I don't know if it – changes the math probably that, does but, a little bit like well, if, like 30 if, you're talking if, about the net, if but, they throw um, a stinker out because <laughs> yeah. that's yeah, the thing is well, like my point is like you don't have to beat everybody you know yeah i think you know you look at maybe something around 10 and 10 i think marquette is at least interesting when it's talking about possibly making the term i know it's a long ways to go but um you know, uh, blowing out Providence, that, that's going to hold up. You know, uh, they're yeah. not going to put an asterisk by that, by any stretch of the imagination. That was a nice win. And Providence is going to be a team that's maybe in tournament or right on the bubble with Marquette. So to have a convincing win over them is one, yeah, you don't need to you know, downplay that at all. That was a nice win. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think part of what's, you know, it's good to, it's good to win games, but beating the absolute breaks off of these two teams over the last week has done a huge service to Marquette's tournament chances. Uh, you, there was no, there's not a realistic path before these two games um, unless Marquette completely like flipped the switch and was suddenly competitive with, you know, on the level of Villanova and Xavier night in night out. Now, obviously they played a good game at Xavier and, and lost a tough one, but you know, they're not on that level consistently. Um, but the last two games just absolutely smashing the metrics like they have, you know, getting to 49 in Ken Palm is like, okay, there's a path now because 49 in Ken Palm is a tournament team 75% of the time. Probably. I don't know, Ben, does that, does that, that doesn't sound ridiculous, right? That's about what you would think too. Uh, My, my calculator uh, work shows that 49 in Ken Palm means that we're making the final four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's usually what you like to see, but you know, like that's, you know, where they were in like the eighties of Ken Palm, the eighties coming in. Yeah. 80, 85 to 49 is. I mean, it's a whole different team. Like you can't, you can't make the tournament in Ken Palm if you're in the eighties and you can't in theory, you know, climb the ladder as quickly as they have over the last two games, um, it, you know, without absolutely kicking the crap out of Providence and Georgetown. And by doing so, you know, who knows if they're going to be able to maintain, you know, a 40s Ken Palm, but a 40s Ken Palm can get you in, like, you know, with how that reflects the other metrics that the NCAA tournament 
selection committee actually uses a 40s Ken Palm can get you in the tournament at like 18 and 14 or whatever like they're, they're like they're above Arkansas like. right now like Arkansas is 50 and yeah. like I mean they're above Providence now and Providence yes. is ranked. and Creighton like, they're 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 good now like in terms of Ken Palm like and mm-hmm. and the the the, the most damning thing about them all season has been that their their metrics were off the reservation like they did not have anywhere near good enough metrics and like Torvik has had them outside the top 100 for like the entire season and so like metrically they were so far off of what the eye test was sort of telling us at eight and three and Alan and I kind of had a back and forth that at eight and three like I felt why the heck are we so back in these metrics and so, so far down the the pecking order in these metrics, but then just like seeing it the last few games has and skyrocket up, like all of a sudden it's like, Oh wow. Are we like now (laughs) metrically higher than I think we are like out of nowhere? Like it's, it's a complete shift and it's a massive game changer for for them going forward anyway that's enough like me yelling about metrics um <laughs> let's, let's do something slightly uh different um uh patty's on with us wants to talk um put them on here patty what you got uh un unmute if you want also like anybody else want to go like please chime in like Seabass, ruby if you want to hop in and, and share your thoughts. Yeah. Hey, Patty, what's going on? I you guys know that um, my broker is on. I, I haven't been to all the spaces, but is this first? <laughs> I think he just oh. ducked out as you said that. And I was oh, no. completely aware of that and being like, like, I don't know. Hey, he's back. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say anything like about it, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, good. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to bring gonna them say, all in. I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Chaka's shirt. It, it it's pop. It, 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 oh yeah. Wait. Okay. Wait. Can can you expand on that? My my mom literally texted me and was like, "Shaka's got great merch on tonight." And I was like, <laughs> "Okay." Like I didn't even notice it, but that's hilarious that you said it. Like that's <laughs> that's that's really fun. The shirt. I saw a bunch of people on Twitter that somebody then asked and broker responded. It was team issued. Ah. Not like we're not for available to fans. So I need to see what this shirt looks like. Did somebody post a picture of it? I, I like didn't. I didn't bother look at it or like really notice it during the game. But we need Yeah. Well, again, all right. Let's 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 discuss that while you brought it up there, Joe. Yes, I please. I, I've I've had some thoughts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Like. The polo with the long sleeve shirt underneath is certainly something. I, I I don't know, you know, obviously like, you know, if Shaka wants to like make that his signature, like, you know, at least he's got a thing that he likes and he sticks to it. But that is an interesting look. It would, I wish, I wish the polo shirt, I wish the polo shirt fit a little tighter, just a smidge. And I kind of think that maybe tuck it there's something at play um, where shock is just kind of a really skinny dude. And it's like, like not everything like fits him. Great. 
I, I, I kind of think that's, I kind of think that might be what's at play, but I, could yeah, see that. I, I don't know about the, the, the long sleeve shirt under the polo. Um, Seabass. I'm glad have- he's cut his hair to a reasonable length, at least. I mean, I think uh, the hair is an interesting thing because they said on uh, FS1 after the game, Mike Hill said he looks like Nick Wright from from <laughs> that that Shaka Shaka and Nick Wright are are doppelgangers, and that they both grew hair at the same time, which is so funny. <laughs> Like, cause, cause that's, that's like totally my reaction to like Shaka, like Shaka didn't have like hair like that forever. Um, Seabass, what's up? It's been a while. How's it going? Uh, yeah, no, it's good to be back. Uh, one, one point on. Good to have you back, man. Oh my God. It feels good. I mean, I've been MIA for a while. (laughs) Um, around the holidays, but, uh, but let me tell you guys, I, I've been watching Shaka since, well, before he was at Texas, but I'm from the DFW area. So I'm a huge fan of the Longhorns outside of college basketball. Sorry to hear that. Uh, I know. Uh, Texas is never going to be back. Um, but uh, I, uh, I used to bark for Sark, so I so I, I, I feel you on that one. I feel your pain. Yeah, it's tough. But, uh, but honestly, he's a skinny dude. I saw him back at Texas when he was wearing suits still. Uh, by the way, I kind of like when basketball coaches wear suits. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm kind of in the unpopular opinion that I think that basketball coaches uh, should wear suits. I disagree, but uh, but I appreciate that you have that opinion. Okay, but yeah, no, he's uh, you're very thin, so definitely those polos. I, I think you buy them an extra extra large or something. They they, they look way too long on them. Yeah, I yeah, that, again, that, that's that's my thought. I'm not sure. I, I think it's kind of exacerbated by the by the the long sleeve under too. I'm not. I'm not yeah. sure. You know what? More power to him though. Um, and maybe it's like cold in Milwaukee, but he wants to wear polo. I don't know. I, 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 and when I say maybe it's like cold in Milwaukee, it's obviously cold in Milwaukee and maybe that's his remedy, but I don't know who's to say I've just started wearing basketball jerseys over sweatshirts and that's probably equally heinous. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's fine. It's, it's a look. I'm actually, I'm rocking the, I'm rocking the Jimmy over the sweatshirt, Jimmy Butler jersey over the sweatshirt right now as we speak. So maybe I, maybe I'm not one to talk. No, that's a perfect <laughs> No, I agree. It's very comfortable. It's in the winter. I just, the, the, for, for wintertime, uh, game attendance and in, in any sport, the jersey over the sweatshirt is just a really, oh, absolutely. It's a really high quality, high quality move. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's Shaka's version of the jersey over the sweatshirt. Who's to say? Yeah. CBS, do you have any basketball takes for us? This could be. <laughs> say it. Say it. Lucas, don't lose to DePaul days. Oh. In oh. this young team's like existence, in Shaka Smart's tenure, because if we lose to DePaul. Oh. Not yeah, boy. basketball in the last twenty years. Yeah, we have never made the tournament. If we lose to the ball. It's true. We we went over this last time, Ben. We don't make the tournament if we lose to the ball. It's yeah. The years I'm that right now, this team better continue this run that that we're on. I, I don't know what Shaka fired into this team after the break, after the Christmas, uh, or was it New Year's? But um, but two blowout wins like this. Big man, it's big. And they didn't try hard against Georgetown. Like they were like Tyler Kolick was doing anything and everything he he wanted. Yeah, it, it was really. Mm-hmm. They didn't honestly. They played. 
They were really for, for two stretches. They were really on point and concise in the way that they were attacking and scoring, but aggregate game. I didn't think they played all that well. I mean, I think they had huge stretches where they kind of just were not great on defense. Georgetown was able to score way too comfortably at the beginning of the game and sort of in the five either side of halftime stretches. Yeah. Some of those uh, offensive rebounds, they had like six over a point. They had three in a row before the foul that went to the commercial was just, I was, Oh God, that was the defensive rebounding will probably be the thing that kills us. Like I wonder if Pat Ewing at a half was just like, attack them on the defense on the defensive glass because if if you you know put them under pressure to rebound they kind of struggle sometimes and I think that is like a decent way to sort of counteract some of Marquette's positive momentum because again those two stretches like if they can pull those into games that matter more and aren't against like the dying embers of the Georgetown program um (laughs) it like they can really really cover up a lot of sort of so-so stretches in game in in tougher games yeah but I think a way to sort of counteract that might just be sort of throw everyone at the defensive glass because market rebounds a whole hell of a lot better when they have either Oso or Kerr sort of boxing out the center and then they send mm-hmm. Justin or Omax free in to attack wherever the ball ends up bouncing. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. when Marquette is like a really solid defensive rebounding team. And I wonder if you just flood uh, the defensive glass. Now, obviously probably a risk if Marquette's getting up and down in transition. Um, I was, I forget, I think I was listening to, I was listening, uh, I was listening to part of my take with Ryan Ursillo today. And they were talking about like things dads love in basketball. And one is like following your shot. Um, oh it's like, yeah. It's like dads love, love it when you follow your shot. And let me tell you, I played basketball for my dad, for my dad for like five years. My dad loves it when you follow your shot. That's like, oh, that's man. like, it's right. It's a perfect comment, but it helps if you is, miss a lot also. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably it's a really good youth basketball thing. But what they were saying is you can't follow your shot in the NBA because if you follow your shot, you get absolutely axed on the break. And but I wonder if teams will start saying, okay, follow your shot against Marquette because if you can sort of start knocking their confidence on the defensive glass down, you can like really sort of make headway against them. And it might be a state right. where Marquette will need to sort of counteract that by really getting the momentum going and hitting them on the break. Um, and to, so and was- I guess to, to Marquette's credit a little bit today, I don't want to completely trash them on the defensive boards because, you know, aside from that one really bad possession, if, I mean, I hate being the, if you take this bad thing away, they're a good thing guy, but you know, yeah. like, like offensive rebounding is kind of the one thing that Georgetown is legitimately good at. And, you know, Marquette dominated on the boards in the first half and Georgetown kind of made up for it in the second half to the point where it was about even, but still, if you kind of holding your own against a team that puts their identity into rebounding, then that's still a pretty good thing. And I'm noticing a little bit more, it's not like a drastic difference. Like we have been seeing with the overall direction of the team, but, They've been making some 
small but steady strides on the offensive rebounding end. I'd Kerr and Oso particularly, who, by the way, I want to uh, put the nickname of uh, Milk Bear into the yeah. ether after your suggestion for that. Well, I think Joe Joe's idea was better. The um, the Oso Leche. Oso Leche, yes. Okay. Oso Leche was great. It's extremely obscure because you have to sort of like make the Matt Helt leap. And honestly, like as much as yes, I understand the connection with like his field goal percentage being elite and Matt Helt being like the high, the most highly rated offensive player on Ken Palm for like an entire season uh, that one year. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's not let's not limit Oso to the Matt Hill, uh, <laughs> comparison because Oso is, I mean, Oso want, is like you want to get you want to get you want to get crazy here. Let's get crazy. Oso get crazy. has the highest ceiling of any big since I started following Marquette, hands down. Highest ceiling. He's a sophomore and he's already yeah. like, having twenty point games on straight dunks. Like the dude is growing, his growth chart is going to break through the top of the graph, man. And over, yeah. And you're saying that when you've rooted for guys like Devontae Gardner and Henry Ellenson. Again, like <laughs> Henry Ellenson got uh, uh, RIP. I don't know what happened there, R- man. Tough, tough NBA career for Henry Ellenson. <laughs> yeah, that, that we, we don't talk about that too much. Go ahead, Joe. Sorry. No, I just, I, I think. I agree 100%. We, the only thing I, the one, obviously, you know, adding a little muscle, but other than that, the one thing Oso would need to add is just that, just a little range. If he yeah. becomes an outside shooter, uh, he's an NBA player. Yeah. Great, you know, that there's a, there's some work to be done between now and then, but I agree with you. I mean, because, you know, the only big, I guess, in the last, quite a while, that from Marquette that's made the NBA is Ellison in, what, 15, 20 years? Yeah, um, and he can't, uh, and he's not even on the radar. Of these teams that are shuttling um, people in in and out yeah, right he's now. Like he's so. 10 days, so, but no, I, I agree. I mean, he is just a sophomore. He technically got, I think, he technically had three years of eligibility left. And, yeah, he uh, does. He uses them all, and he gets, uh, and he develops an outside shot in that time, and has yeah. muscle. Yeah, I mean, what, like him in the, NBA. the outside shooting is basically the only piece that's like noticeably absent right now because he's already really effective. Uh, defensively against uh, pick and rolls, like he's he's really good. He is getting, perfect. He's really good at getting he's the perfect. perfect. Okay, well, I don't know if I was going to say perfect, <laughs> but he's really good at getting his hands in passing lanes on PNRs, and he's a, a, a really effective shot blocker, and just he's very laterally uh, strong defensively. So yeah, basically the only thing he's missing is some sort of like jump shot, uh, where because because right now like he's obviously a consequence of him shooting like 80% for the season is that he's obviously not attempting anything. That's not like, like his biggest range is probably like a six foot hook shot right now. Um, he had a kind of a little bit of a dream yeah. shake uh, today at one point. Oh, I loved, I loved the hook shot he had where he, where he faked uh, underneath and then read that yeah, yeah. and and flipped it over his head. Oh, that was, that was beautiful. That was yeah, and he again, he was a much quiet had a much quieter game today after um the really good game against Creighton and it was Creighton, right? I'm not looking right now. I yeah, yeah, Creighton. That was a 22. It was the game, insanely yeah. good game against Creighton and then against Providence he he and Kurt were the two-headed monster. Um I think well, like his usage his usage is kind of increasing like it's 
Oh, yep. for the season, it's yeah, around well, like 13, 14%, which is pretty low. But like in the last three games, he's been used quite a bit more in the offense. So, it's a true like, time share. Also, Marquette up to 66 on Torvik. So they've gone from. Oh, yeah. It's been a similar thing to what you've seen on Ken Palm, where Marquette was like mid 80s on Ken Palm up to 49. Marquette was like mid 100, like the first 10 of 100. I don't know how to say that 100s because mid 100s makes it sound like I'm saying 150, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like 105. Oh, yeah, I guess you, yeah. And so they're up to like 60, they're up to 66 now. And it's a similar um, sort of um, arrow in terms of how they've paced, paced up. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What's anyone else have anything? Please feel free to jump on. Um, yeah, the, oh, the go, go see say, this. No, I was going to say the last thing I'll say uh, about Oso, he's got a chance to be, you know, better than Henry Allenson is in the NBA. Um, if he can- <laughs> well, I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Henry disappointed all of us. He left too early, I think. I, I don't know what to say about Henry, man. No, oh, no. I don't know. Uh, Henry was probably too slow, to be honest, is probably why he's not in the NBA yeah. anymore. But, but, and also, he never really figured his shot out. Like, sure. he was yeah. – anyway. But no, and, and another thing, uh, I, w- I want to hear just kind of – what we would be sad. I don't know if we talked about this at the start, but what, what we would be satisfied with after the DePaul game. Let's just not talk about DePaul yet. After the DePaul game in that, I think, six-game stretch where we play, like, all ranked opponents. Yeah. Seven, I think, yeah. Seven? It's yeah. seven. It's seven, right. yeah. Seven. Seton Hall, Villanova, oh Xavier, Seton Hall, Providence, Villanova, UConn. That sounds like death, but... Uh, <laughs> What record out of those seven games would you guys be satisfied with? Two and five, I would accept. I am. I, I'd be fine with only one win if there are two legitimate down to the wire losses along with it. I want to beat Xavier. Can I? Can I just say that I don't give a crap. Yeah. I kind. I kind of want to beat. Xavier I want to too, win that yeah. Xavier game because they should have won the game in Cincinnati, and it just kind of got away from them, and they weren't sort of. Um, as a team, they weren't in a place to win that game at that time, even though they were competitive in that game. I want to win that Xavier game, man, because mm-hmm. they don't, they are really good, but they're not a team that has one guy that can kind of kick the door down against Marquette. Like they're a very, they're a very team team and mm-hmm. Marquette can exploit teams that are just kind of like very balanced because of how they can kind of swarm everyone else's system um with the way that they play so yeah, yeah. That's, i think that's that game and the scene hall game are the two games that i'm kind of looking at as yeah. like if we're if we're most likely to win two games those would be them yeah i, I, want, the, I want the two wins to be against nova and scene hall mm, Ooh. I, I don't know i don't know if we're beating nova man they're so tough and i think they're going to be impossible to press which is Part of the problem because we need to press them because we can't really play if we're not pressing. But Colin Gillespie is a swinging bar door on defense, so I think Cohen yeah, has a lot of just carve. Were you, up were you picturing the the Simpsons meme when you said that? Like the like the grandpa <laughs> and out. Oh, like, I was I was thinking of like, uh, the uh, like the saloon doors. That's what I was. That's the word yeah. I should have said. But yeah, uh-huh. yes, same concepts. All right, we got some. Uh, Sean wants to say something. Sean, what's what you got, man? Oh, hey, sorry, I got nothing. I just uh, I just dialed in. So oh, you go. okay. <laughs> well, we're 
question. I would also say one in six I could, would be all right, but then you've got a lot of pressure on those last six games. If you, uh, yeah. I, yeah. If you, I, again, it's dangerous to say, but if you assume you beat DePaul, let's say you beat DePaul, all right, so then you're three and three. And if you go one and six, uh, then, you know, you essentially have got to go five and one or six yeah. and one of those last six, which is doable. I will. You just hope your spirit isn't broken. To be, to be clear, I want, I do not want them to lose to Butler, Georgetown, or DePaul all year. And they are very capable of sweeping St. John's. And uh, I don't know if they're that capable of sweeping St. John's. St. John's will be a weird match for them. Because yeah, the, right. I forget there's also a St. John's game looming up yes. that may or may not be made up at some point. Yeah, I think it uh, – as long as it's only one, I think they're going to probably get it back. Although St. John's might have to do more than one, so who knows. But I, say, I, I think two wins would put us in, good, in a good spot. One win is still dicey if we're thinking about – Bubble watch. I think Marquette's just gonna be a bubble team, man. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to embrace. I'm ready to embrace life on the bubble, man. Let's let's go. Yeah, I, I think that Ill, the Illinois win cements us as like at least a part of the conversation, and like the Charleston weekend. Like I, I think like no matter what, someone on bracket matrix is gonna put us either in the last four in or first four out or whatever. So it's just kind of a matter of the yeah. progress that we're able to Ooh. make in that. Sorry. I just saw Patty just tweeted me the picture of the, the merch. It is kind of, it is kind of sharp. Hell yeah. I like it. I'm going to look like a, it's like a, like a um, yellow top polo, but it's like, is it like a sweatshirt too? With like a collar? Like how? You wish. It's still his long sleeve. Like, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So it's a polo. All right. Got it. Yeah. 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 Those are just the sleeves. Did a nice job of blending the sleeves with the, with the, with the other sleeves. Um, yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that St. John's game, yeah. Has anybody looked up? Is there even a window that anybody knows of where both teams could make that game up? Well, I have the schedule here right now. Um, Marquette has a decent window. Um, the weekend of the Super Bowl, I want to say. Is the Super Bowl the first weekend of February again this year? It's right before Valentine's Day. Oh, it's the second weekend. Okay, so Marquette doesn't play the weekend of doing some quick math, the fifth and sixth. Um, I don't know if St. John's plays that weekend, obviously. That would be... Oh, they do. Um... Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, it's got to be tough, right? Um, would it be crazy? Like, considering it would be in New York, would it be crazy to play that game the Tuesday before the Big East tournament? Oh, no. I mean, that may suck for both teams. But Sign me the heck up for that, man. Oh, give me that. Uh, <laughs> St. John's has a week where they don't play. Um, let me see. When does, what does Marquette look like? It's the 16th through the 23rd St. John's doesn't play. Um. No, nah, probably not. Marquette plays the twentieth. That doesn't work. Uh, it's tough to make it up. I don't know if it'll get made up. I mean, but we'll yeah, I hope it does, man. Plus, they have uh, they have other games to make up too, right? That's a good. Yeah. Uh. Well, they've only played one, so I don't know. And they and it was like yesterday, I think. No, it was two days ago. They played DePaul. They did not lose to DePaul. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Champagne. Champagne scares me though. Dude, yeah. he's the best player in the conference, I think. I would love to play St. John's the Tuesday before the Big East tournament. I know it, it would never it's happen. It's a great idea. It would allow that to happen. Like, 
I mean, there could be a very real world where Marquette could use that win to get into the NCAA tournament. And so Mm -hmm. that's really like, please, please. That's like a realistic potential makeup game that could get a bit just with that extra win on their, if they win it. Yeah. I like uh, everyone. If everyone, first of all, everyone follow Casual Hoya, an actual good team account. Um, unlike uh, No Escalators, which sucks. It's funny, but they're they're mean. I don't like them, uh, or UConn for that matter. Um, but yeah. uh, uh, and and they're mean to Ben for being from Kansas. Uh, so um, right, isn't that, isn't that your isn't that your your gripe with them that they make fun of you from being from Kansas? Not me specifically. I don't think I've. Well, either you were so saying like talk about how they like um, oh yeah oh yeah it was me like because like yeah, yeah from yeah. my uh from my fandom of wichita state uh yeah. like with the oh you know, yeah and they're and they're super and they, yeah they are like oh oh yeah a bunch of borderline like, abusive oh, poor, to poor programs people. from the aac yeah a bunch of like oh yeah poor people don't know how to read things it's like all right cool yeah. dude I mean, your school's in Stores, Connecticut. Sorry, that's like apparently like the the Ritz Carlton of cities. <laughs> yeah, Jesus um, Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't get me started on UConn being back in the conference. But all that is to say, Casual La Jolla, an actual good team account, tweeted a great uh, static that I'm sure that they put every time Georgetown does something terrible and eats the trash. A uh, picture of uh, Pat Ewing looking very uh, sorrowful. That makes me happy to see that. And that was a great catch on that. What time is it? It is seven. And we started this at like 5.50. All right. Let's 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 call it. Um, thank you, everybody. I really appreciate people uh, joining me. And this was a great crowd tonight. Um, uh, if, glad if you got to chime in. Happy to hear from you. Tip your you. servers. Tip your – yeah. Don't, but <laughs> – but don't actually uh, send send Ben vibes as he continues to battle um, no symptom COVID. Um, he's, I'm almost out of isolation. Don't worry. He's he's, re- he's really fighting. He's really fighting the uh, uh, Omicron uh, hard here. Um, but mm-hmm. thank you for thank you for playing sick and uh, playing hurt uh, tonight for us. We appreciate. Um, I do it for the people. Unlike Antonio Brown, like you 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 play through. <laughs> um, so thanks everybody. Um, we'll hopefully have this as a podcast as well. Um, I can stop. Oh, I'm going to just hang. No, I stop recording, right? Usually. Yeah. I'm just going to stop recording.